0: Welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one stop shop for all things cigar related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debman. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. So,
1: do you, do you God, keep. I still hate you so much. <laughs> do you keep Valium in the car? I mean, do you uh, keep a, a shot of Valium in the as car? As much time or something? as we spend together, I really should. You, you I should, need you, Xanax you, you, you just to sit at the table up. with you. And, I,
0: you know, and, and I, I haven't even had any caffeine since in, like, hours. Well, we could
1: we could stop the show and you go get a cup of coffee. I mean, No, I don't need it. It's too late. But, no, it's interesting because last week's podcast, I believe, was contested under the Marcus of Queensberry rules. We kind of really went at it, and people asked me, you know, that it hurt. It was like, are hey, you and Trey okay? I said, yeah. I said, we disagree on everything, but we both respect each other's opinion. How boring is Let me tell you something, folks. If your life is so boring that you only want to hang around and talk to people that agree with you, just jump. Just drive into a tree. Just, just stop wasting resources. You know, life is way too short to sit in an echo chamber.
0: But at the same time, it is incredibly infuriating to sit across the table every week for three years with someone who talks out of both sides of their mouth and doesn't see any problem with it. I appreciate that you w- wear it with a badge of honor. At least you're not hiding from it. But God bless, sometimes it's hard to be your friend.
1: <laughs> well, let's light our cigars and then we'll, we'll talk about the article that started this argument. <laughs> and I'll so um, Alex sent me a nice Christmas gift and all and... Which my wife promptly broke into and stole one of, and I had to ask her not to do that. As is her way. A human or full of cigars. Why did she have to break into the bag that Alex sent me? Why could she not have just picked up one of the 30 or 40 there?
0: To use one of your phrases
1: against you? Power move. You think it's a power move? That's a power move. I think you're right. I think it was. It was kind of a power move on her part. Honey, there is nothing on this
0: planet you can own that I cannot take from you.
1: But see, Glenda's not wired that oh, way. Oh, I
0: know she's not. That's why think, it's, that's why it's uh, funny to
1: me. Actually, I think she. it was more a, will he care? Well, and I probably screwed up when I told her, hey, Alex also sent us descriptions of these cigars and times to smoke them. And if you had grabbed one of the cigars that he sent for us to smoke on the podcast, you'd have totally goofed us up for a week. And all, so I think she just—I think it was reaction. I don't think she does anything for power move. I think she does it for reaction move, yeah. just to be sure I have a pulse. Well,
0: much, much like you know, a puppy that is kind of testing the limits. And it's like yeah. now that, now that you've gotten her on to real cigars, as we'll say, it's it's a matter of pushing those boundaries
1: and sure. finding where. Yeah, she's always going to try just a little bit, and all that's okay. That's one of the reasons I love her. I would again, I would be bored. But anyway, um. So Alex sent us La Flor Dominicana Cameroon Cabinet cigars. I have not seen one of these in a very long time. Yeah, this is a this is an older model. They were originally a limited release, and now they're back to being a regular release, a regular production. Um, they have a Dominican and Nicaraguan filler with a Dominican binder and a genuine Cameroon wrapper. It says they're medium to full-bodied. Um, I'll be interested to see. Is it just me, or is the one you have darker than the one I have? Maybe ever well, so slightly. Nope. I think no, it's just a shadow. I think it's just the light or lack thereof. But I'm interested to try these. I'm really excited to give it a shot. And I'll, Alex and I exchanged Christmas gifts this year and sent him some of my favorite stuff. And it's really interesting. when somebody If somebody sends you a cigar, it's one thing. Right. If they send you kind of a cigar profile, it almost lets you it, one of two things: either it lets you really get to know what their palette is, or really get to know what goes on sale. So <laughs> it works either way. True, <laughs> but I feel like I've kind of got my hands around Alex's palette at this point. I really understand his palette a lot better after seeing this this bag of cigars he sent I me, and I'm sure he has a deeper understanding of mine. If not only just from listening to the podcast, but from the cigars I sent him, and all. So you go ahead and start our first order. Or have you lit it up? I what? haven't yet. I wasn't sure, um, but I can. Um, were you not sure you should light it up? Well, no, I
0: wasn't sure how long you were going to go on with that. I was giving. I was well, making I, sure I was available. You know, I, there's a give and take
1: here. I, I was going on and on, hoping you would light the thing. <laughs> I think you finally decided to see if you could get internal combustion, <laughs> but. Um,
0: Anyway, so so this is from the Rob Report. I feel like we've had a Rob Report article pretty much every week for the last several months. I'm really enjoying seeing all of the cigar content. That's not a face you want to see. It's an interesting cold draw. Yeah, it's it's very classic. Yeah, that's that's the Cameroon. What you're tasting there is the Cameroon. It's I want to say it's it's like a um, it tastes like a closet okay. I, that's uh, cedar right. and a little bit of earthiness. <laughs> it's a shoe closet, but in a good way. Anyway, from the Rob Report, um, the uh, annual... The Habanos Festival is about to showcase Cuba's most celebrated cigars. So uh, every year um, in late February, Cuba hosts a cigar festival, and this year it's coming around. It's going to mark uh, the 22nd, good Lord, 22nd Habanos Festival uh, featuring Bolivar, Monte Cristo, and Romeo y Julieta. Habanos SA is responsible for all of the Cuban cigars that are made. And so they're who's putting this, you know, unlike here in the States, what we're kind of used to is you've got some big players like General and Altidus, and they manage multiple brands, uh, but none of them are really tied to any sort of national syndicate in Cuba the country, the state so to speak, manages all of their production
1: Right, the communists You're just I mean, really, you're just that's, that, that's really what it is, is yeah. it's a communist country yeah. and the commies want to control all the means of production so this is one of the key elements is this, this is, you know I'm, I was, smoked a bunch of Cuban cigars, had some good ones had some not good ones Never had one so good that I really felt the need to go to Cuba and all it, it just doesn't inspire that in me. I think it would be fun to visit.
0: I mean, I'm not going to go live there, but I think it would be fun to go. I mean, especially as a cigar. I mean, you're, you're a guy who, who does the cigar tourism thing. Now, I am not one of these people that believes cigar, Cuban cigars are the be-all, end-all of the cigar world. I don't think many of them are worth what you have to pay for them compared to what we can get every day at our local brick and mortar. But there are a couple that are really stinking good. The Boulevard Bellicoso is one of those. And if I had the opportunity to go to Cuba as a tourist for a week, three, five days, and kind of experience the culture a little bit, smoke a good cigar, enjoy
1: a cigar festival, I mean, That sounds like a fun vacation to me. See, I feel like I could go to Tampa and get the same experience, only the people get to keep the money instead of having to give it all to Castro's family. So why would I fly all that way and send all of my dollars to support this communist regime when I could just go to Tampa and get the same experience? What's the—I don't get the, the get. I mean, okay, they got sand, they got water, everybody's got sand and water. I'm just yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but it's going
0: to, you know, it's going back to the old world. I mean, it's, you know, as far as Cuba is a part of cigar history. Like, it, it's it's always going to be. It, it's in, ingrained in what people think of when they think of cigars, especially the uninitiated. It, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a pilgrimage, but to a lot of
1: people, I can see how this would be an awesome experience. I guess. I mean, more power to them. I just, I'm just not geared that way. I'm just not geared that I see the risk versus reward being worth it when I can go, you know, if what risk? Can... Well, you got to go to
0: Cuba. But but travel to Cuba has been opened up for, uh, what, a couple of years now. Sure. There's no risk. It's not like you have to go to Nicaragua and then hop a cigarette boat over the... Where do you think you're more likely to get shot, Cuba
1: or Tampa? Do you really want me to answer that? I'm just telling you, Cuba could change on a whim. Yeah, but the
0: thing is, like, look at what happened in Nicaragua a year and a half ago. I mean, it's not like where we get our cigars from are completely immune to corruption and violence. You know, I, I, we don't talk about it much because it's kind of unsavory. But the, the fact is, in all of the countries that produce cigars, for the most part, um, that's kind of part of it. That's part of being a developing nation.
1: No, I believe it's the closest to democ- the Cuba the cigar manufacturing process is the closest to the embodiment of, doc- of democracy to any process, because rollers are paid according to their skill. The more complex the cigar, the bigger the cigar, the more money they make. Right, they- and they are also paid according to their production. They are also, you know, they all take a certain segment of their bench and pay whoever's reading the book that week. You know, it's really a meritocracy when it comes to the cigar industry. So I think it's as close to, as a lot of these people get to democracy.
0: Right, but I'm not talking about inside the individual factory. You're talking about the country as a whole. And and my point is that the, the government in, involved in either one of these cases, I mean, yeah, on paper, one of them is more evil than the other, but we've seen examples in recent history of the fact that just because you're a democratic country doesn't mean you're immune to some of the downfalls of, of living in a in a poor country. But, I mean, yeah. n- not to mince words. That's what it really comes down to.
1: Sure, but you can be poor and happy. You know, people people want to equate being poor with being unhappy. When I was in the Dominican Republic, the those were poor people. They I've, were thrilled to death. I've got
0: all these extra words in my mouth. Did you put
1: those there? <laughs> no, I'm not... I mean, well, you're you're speaking of the poor, downtrodden, poor countries no, that's that we're, what we're I said. enslaving to get our cigars. No, that's not and what I said at all.
0: I'm saying that when you com- when you talk about Cuba as being rife with corruption and and other um, human rights issues that you take exception to, I can get on board with that. But you can't. But just because Nicaraguan cigars are available here and we smoke them every day, and you don't want to feel bad about the kind of environment that they're produced under, I'm saying anytime you're dealing with a country that is a developing, we used to call it a third world nation, but now we call them underdeveloped or developing nations, those are the types of areas that tend to see the highest level of corruption and and political fraud and things like that. those, it's the same thing. It's just one's democratic on paper, the other is communist on paper, but they have the same problems
1: oftentimes relating to GDP. But names are important. And calling yourself a democracy gets you closer to being a democracy than calling yourself a communist country.
0: Not really sure
1: the point you're trying to make, but okay. I'm just saying... I'm all in favor of supporting because at least they're trying. I'm, the names are important. You cannot sit and call yourself. But anyway, let's get back to cigars. Enough political pontificating. But let's so let's do talk about this since you since our cigars are all made on the backs of illegal immigrants and you know all these problems you're claiming we have. That I uh, never even came sm- close <laughs> to saying anything like that. I know. <laughs> so why do we smoke cigars? I want to talk about that. It's usually to unwind. Although tonight, <laughs> <laughs> well, tonight you're getting to feel something because when I came in here, this whole place was kind of shut down. The yeah. energy in here tonight was just, um, just dull. I've been I've been here for about six
0: hours. So, or I got here at eleven. I ended up leaving for about an hour, but it's it's closing on five thirty now. So, I've been here most of the day. And it's just been a relaxing day. Like, like the, the vibe in here. There hasn't been a lot of noise. Most of the TVs are off and have been all day. It's very subdued.
1: And You know, I would be perfectly okay with a cigar lounge without TVs. Wouldn't bother me at all, but you got you to gotta have the sports guys. I would, be, I would be happy with... So,
0: the cigar shop that I used to go to in Atlanta had one TV. In the back room. And that was good for all of us. And then they put a TV up front. And then they put two TVs beside the main TV in the room in the back. And now, last time I was there, they put another TV. So, like, so this shop is only about 600 square feet. And they've got five TVs. That's overkill. Oh, yeah. That is way too much. I. You know, my, when I used to work here, my favorite days were the ones where no one would turn the TV behind the bar on. You know, uh, days like this. I, I don't need a TV in my, in my cigar shop unless you know, a major sporting event is on.
1: You know, I, I don't either. I'd be perfectly content in a cigar shop with no TVs because, hey, fellas, whether you watch a Super Bowl or not, whoever's going to win is going to win. So it's not that big a deal. And for me, it's just kind of a movement of time. It's not really a an I'm rooting for thing, but I'm not I'm not geared the sports direction. Right. But, you know, it was hopping in here last night. We had the poker game going on. The Predators were playing on the TV, and every, everything was kind of moving and shaking. So to come in here today and it be so kind of docile was interesting. Well, we've talked before about this is a shop that people come in the middle of the day to get work done, you know,
0: and, and I think what we're seeing now is that just being so close to the end of the workday. Having just passed, we've still got a lot of people in here getting stuff done.
1: Yeah, you have, a lot, you have some of that happening and all. but So back to the main question. So you smoke cigars to relax? That's one of the reasons. I've, I've put some thought into this. I, community would be the reason I smoke cigars. The community of smokers, of people coming together, of us laughing, talking, joking... And all that, and it's a... Here's the... And here's why this community works for me when no others do. Uh, bar community doesn't work for me because you got people there getting hammered. Well... You know, the conversations are getting progressively worse as the night roams true. forward. And also, the bar community don't work. The church community thing don't work for me because it feels like... We'll talk like about a, more about that later. Yeah. Well, it feels like an obligation. Everything yeah. feels like an obligation, and I hate to feel obliged. If I didn't show up here for a week I'd have a couple of friends call hey Shane everything cool yep everything's cool and that would be the extent of it and I uh, or hey Shane want to talk to you about XY or Z and all uh, but there's no I like the fact that I can have community without having all the obligations there entails no it
0: that definitely plays a lot into it we've talked with guests on the show before about how um, how much a how much the cigars not being addictive but what you do get addicted to so to speak are the relationships that you make in the cigar shop and the friendships in the community um so i definitely see that that would be in that didn't get me into cigars but it keeps me in cigars
1: well and the other thing i like i like the decadence of having a cigar I like that I can be, that I, I am the poorest old rich white guy you'll ever meet. I like being able to just sit back and light a cigar and tell everybody to kiss off. I enjoy that part of the cigar culture. I'm, I'm intellectually honest enough to tell you that's part of what I enjoy. I guess that's why I get so frustrated when some of these news articles come through. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, for me, that's less of it. I don't, I, I know when I was younger, a big part of it, especially being, you know, when you grow up watching your parents you know achieve a certain level of success, what you don't see is the struggle before you got there before you were part of the picture and when and, and you you have no frame of reference for age at that point so you get to be about twenty three twenty four and if you're not as successful as you feel like your parents were or that you ought to be, there could be some frustration. I know that that's a big difference between my generation and your generation but I think for a lot of people, especially my age and younger, that get into smoking cigars, it, it does come from a place of feeling like you've made it, even if you haven't. Double back, on, double back on the generation difference thing. I don't understand. Well, you're a Gen Xer. And as much as I hate the nomer, and I think this is why you double back is just to make me say it. I'm a millennial. Okay. And so I think... There's, I, I think there was a difference in the way we were brought up. I mean, if you think about it, most millennials were born starting about 1980, I, like or that's that's where the line starts. 80, 81, kind of depends on what marker you look at. Everyone, but everyone pretty much agrees it's somewhere in that range. So you kind of got to get into the 90s for me to really consider it a millennial, but carry on. Well, but if you get too far on the other side of that, then you get into Gen Zers, whoever one blames millennials for the stuff that they do. But it's, that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, but when, if you were born in the early to mid 80s, that was a time of pretty decadent economic growth. Oh, yeah. You know, um, great time I, to be a teenager, it, man. It, well, it was yeah, awesome. Yeah, but so, well, I, I would imagine then it was even better for the late edge of the baby boomer generation who were coming into their careers in that time. Um, cost of living hadn't outpassed wage stagnation quite like it has at this point yet. Um, don't furrow your eyebrows. I will go toe to toe with you on that. Uh, I have researched that to the ends. Like you can't. Anyway,
1: well, that's another Don't, subject for do another. Do not another roll night.
0: your eyes at that statement I, because I have, I have the data to back it up.
1: Yes, but I, I will also argue there's less there's less need for people to be minimum wage workers with the opportunities. Wage that Wage stagnation created.
0: doesn't have anything to do with minimum wage. So, anyway. So my parents' generation coming into the workforce in the early to mid 80s, as kids of that generation, we saw successful parents from a very young age. And so you get this, and you were fed a lot of lines about what early adulthood looks like in terms of success and money and, and achievement. And by the time we got there, that didn't exist by and large. It wasn't inachievable. It wasn't impossible, but it was not because we didn't come of age in the same economy that our parents did. That's You're furrowing your eyes again. I, I can back all of these statements up with facts, figures, and numbers, and I will do so with a PowerPoint presentation after we finish recording if it comes to it. So Your, black, your laptop battery's dead. You're out of luck. Have phone, will travel. So my point, though, is that I think for people of my generation the cigar still represents the monopoly man it still represents the fat cat the successful person like you're talking about just you know burn a few dollars burn a few leaves and so I think there are a number of people that do get into it because they want to feel like they're a little bigger than they are
1: well I don't even think it's that that they have this hole that needs filled I just like enjoying my success and part of enjoying my success is sitting on the deck of a cruise ship with a large cigar and my feet propped up on a Thursday afternoon. And all that makes me happy. Right. And, I don't, and I'm not trying to project an image. I just enjoy that. That's the fruit of my labor. Right. But I'm saying for some people, I think it is projecting
0: an image rather than having an image.
1: There are. There, but, the, yeah, it's the people that come in here that have to buy the Opus Opus. The people that come in here that have to buy the Andalusian bull, that have to they have to buy the twenty dollar plus cigar, and let the world know they can buy that. To a certain extent,
0: but it's also just having the dispensable income enough to buy a cigar at all, too. You
1: know, you. I'm talking even. I mean, it it takes both forms. It is interesting, but I think, of course, we're a little skewered because of, we're in a regional area. Most of our cigar smoking goes on regionally. I would be interested to go across the country and go to different cigar lounges and see if the vibe is as conservative as it is in all the ones I have visited based, in my life. Based on some of the people I've talked to, it tends to skew
0: that way. think um, You know, as you get into less conservative areas, you definitely do swing some of the balance in the individual shops. But if you took a national average, I would think I would go so far as to say it skews conservative.
1: Well, it's it's an interesting it's interesting because that is one of the things that that I notice is we do have a lot more you know there's a lot more MAGA hats come through this place. There's a lot more Trump folks come into the come into these type places. And all. and now that may be because that's the crowd I associate with. True. And all. I, don't, I don't spend a lot of time looking for it. We may go somewhere else. Why do you think
0: <laughs> I spend so much time at the Abbey?
1: Sure. You know, it could very well be that way. But I didn't get that vibe at the Abbey. That's my point. And all. I didn't get the vibe that they were, that they were liberal or anything. Well, uh, again, that's kind of the thing is that
0: you don't get that vibe. There is no and, – and Josh kind of talked about that. They don't segregate. I, by color by political lines by gender by anything it's it's a very all-inclusive well-rounded shop and that's and i like places like that like you said i don't want to live in an echo chamber part of the reason we're friends is because we don't agree on practically
1: anything and right I, it makes it makes life more fun well it does it's, you you know you have taught me things in my life that i would not have learned had i not been friends and all things that I would have never been exposed to. Now, there's a certain amount of stuff that I hope I've brought to your life that has that greatly enriched it, but, you know, you don't have to name them all. If we only, it's only a 45-minute show. But, okay, let's go back to cigars. All right. And I'll tell me what you're thinking. I'm about halfway through this. We got the smaller size of the cabinet camera, and I'm about halfway through it. It's surprising
0: me because, as I've talked before, I feel like, I'm not a huge LFD fan. There was a time in my life where I was. These are obviously fairly old, um, well-aged. Well, I was gonna say, I don't even know if they're aged so much as they're just, they're from a bygone era. I mean, obviously they are, but they're also from a bygone era of LFD when they were actually making really, really good cigars. The Cameroon flavor is bringing, there's some greenness to it that I'm getting. You know, like I said, on the cold draw, it was lots of cedar and earthiness. As I'm getting, I'm only about a third into mine. I'm getting a lot of of sort of greenness, um, but in a good way.
1: Yeah, I'm getting a lot of that of of grassiness. Well, there's a lot of depth to Mm -hmm. the flavor of this cigar. This is definitely a complex cigar of a lot of depth. This is something someone really put some work into getting this blend right. It's not, you know, they. I think they undersell it when they say, oh, Nicaraguan-Dominican binders and fillers. Yeah. I think they're underselling how good that blend is. Yeah, I think you're right. No, no. I'd like it with a little more, a little Sumatra in it. I think a little Cameroon-Sumatra binder-filler combo would be awesome. I'm really happy with the blend. I, I think they—obviously,
0: I don't know what was going through their heads when they sat at the blending table for this particular cigar, but— based on what came out of it i have to imagine they got it right
1: if that makes sense it's a very good cigar i really am enjoying the flavor of it because like i said i enjoy the depth yeah this is the the polar opposite of what i smoked last week this has depth this has flavor this has profile
0: and i would say with very few exception this is standing against what a lot of what's in their current lineup
1: too yeah, I, I don't get depth and complexity from LFD anymore. No, they've they've kind of went the way of strength for the sake of strength. Exactly. And now, well, let's step away. Let's talk about a cigar under eight. And when we get back, we'll talk about some new cigars. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under Eight. This week, we want to talk about a new cigar. You know, there's not a lot of new under eight cigars coming out. This is the session by CAO. This is a cigar I had on the show about four weeks ago or so. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was on the show. It was our third anniversary show, and we had it with Jimmy on the air, so it was kind of hard to really give the cigar the attention that it probably deserves. Probably ought to revisit it and smoke it again, but it is a, um, it's a very dark cigar. It has well-aged Nicaraguan and Dominican tobaccos under a thick Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. And I really enjoy this cigar. I've I've thought about hitting the. One, I've got one left in my humidor at home before I gotta get some more. And I really enjoy this smoke. Yeah, it's rated as
0: sort of a medium-bodied smoke, and I would say that that's probably about right. I may even go so far as to say medium plus. Not quite medium full, but it's. But it's so well balanced for a cigar in this price range, that you you really feel like you're getting your dollars' worth.
1: Yeah, it's very very Charter Oak esque. Mm-hmm has a lot of that same kind of qualities of a d- good, rich, right. complex cigar. So until next week, try a CAO session. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your host, Shane, sitting across from a man... With the self-confidence of a cigar blender, I'll take it. <laughs> well, you think about it. How much? How much ego and self-confidence do those guys have to have to say, "Okay, I'm created something here"? Because a palette is so varied.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you have to have a certain amount of trust in yourself, not only in what you like, but what you think others will like.
1: Yeah, you you do. You have to. I mean, you know, people say, you know, if you're building a car. There's things we like about a car. We're going to want a certain amount of horsepower. We're going to want a certain amount of fuel mileage. We're going to want a certain amount of look to it. But that's pretty across the board. And, you know, I've talked to one of my buddies that's a big car guy all along and told him, the car you drive really don't matter as long as it gets you from point A to point B. And you're paying for the comfort therein. Mm -hmm. And all. But now being a cigar blender... You've got to try to figure out what's going to hit people's palate right and what are you going to create. And you've got, there's a lot of confidence involved True. in saying, I believe they will like this cigar.
0: Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to build a car for the bicyclist, the motorcycle rider,
1: the horse rider, and the car enthusiast. And you need to hit as many of those groups as you can with yeah. one cigar to keep the cost low. Exactly. So it's, it's an interesting conundrum that a lot of cigar guys really get involved with.
0: It's something I would like to try my hand in at some point. I it's, don't know how I would ever be able to accomplish that, but it is something I'd like to, to give a shot.
1: Well, you just got to get you some tobacco plants. You can order tobacco off of Amazon. Well, true. And all, you can order tobacco, and then you could actually you know, roll a little binder, roll a little filler, roll a wrapper, smoke a little of each, and see how they would combine up. It would be an interesting thing to do. But let's talk about somebody that's done all that work for us. So My Father's Cigars is adding two new sizes of its regular production Nicaraguan lines. The judge will have a Corona Gorda and the La Opulencia will have a box press torpedo. And you don't care. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, I didn't care till I got a good look at this judge because this is one that's not a box press. Right. And also, I might be a little more on board with that because that's always been my problem with the judges. I just didn't like the physical manipulation of the judge. Yeah, they were short up, set up as those short, stubby, wide box press, which is not my similar favorite shape. The,
0: similar to the Florida Los Tias, similar shape. Yeah, and you know, Corona Gord is a bit smaller than I normally smoke at a forty six ring gauge, but five and five eighths by forty six is
1: I would I'd be interested to try that. I would, I, would, I would probably try the Judge. The Torpedo and the La Bulence. The La Bulence is not one of my favorite cigars my father makes anyway. Nor mine, and
0: I'm not a huge Torpedo fan, and I'm not a box press fan, so I'll probably pass over that one, especially at 1220 a cigar. Here's something funny about the Judge. They need to find somebody over at the My Father Factory who can count. Yeah, a 23-count box. i seen a 23 that. A 23-count box. <laughs> I've never seen that before. That What a...
1: What an odd name, uh, number. That, that is, it's just kind of random. Baker's with, Two Dozen? What? <laughs> you would think it, it's got to be something significant to uh, that yeah. cigar, but there's nothing mentioned the in box. the articles. It, yeah. Just the shape of the box. There's nothing mentioned in the article about that, but I, that is interesting that it's 23. Usually, you know, I've seen 20s, 24s, 10s, mm-hmm. um, 50 count. You know, LFD is famous for the 50 yeah. count. Seen 25s as well. But 23 is that's an odd number to just land on. So, a cigar that I'm interested in. Gurkha Cigars unveils new value cigars. A $5 Gurkha is
0: $4.99 too much. <laughs> well, it's, all, it's, it's scary. Considering how much they charge for their regular production stuff. How bad is their $5 cigar going to be?
1: Well, so the Castle Hall is an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper with an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper binder. or binder and Nicaraguan and Dominican fillers. Um, they do make them in the 660. I'd be interested to try it just because it's like when you pass a car wreck and you just won't see how bad it is. Yeah. I, I do find it, if, I find it
0: interesting that you want to try this on the heels of what happened last week. If it hadn't been for what happened last week, I would say, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's go for the train wreck. But considering you just had a near-death experience with one of these cigars, I'm surprised that you'd be willing to put the single bullet in the revolver again this quickly.
1: Well, it wasn't a near-death. It just, the cigar had nothing.
0: Yeah. Okay, near all. purgatory experience. Yeah,
1: yeah it, was, it was, you know, it had nothing to offer. So I'm interested to see if that's the way they're going to go with these, or if it is going to just taste awful. And I, is there a world where this could be a good cigar? Yeah, but
0: that's a world with Bizarro Superman, and we say bad well, bye.
1: But could it could it be that Gurkha finds that you know every builder has a square footage that is their ideal to build where their value meets their product? Yeah. Could this $5 cigar be Gurkha's holy grail? It, c- it could be,
0: especially if you're a Gurkha fan or at least not a hater like we are. You know, if if you're somebody that can tolerate and likes to smoke Gurkhas, this may be your cigar. Or is it enough departure from what Gurkha is that it might be good? It, it might be. Like I said, I'll try it. I do want to take some exception here, though. So they've got two different ones. They've got the Castle Hall and the Prize Fighter is the other one. Uh, the prize fighter is Dominican uh, Maduro wrapper, Sumatra binder, and a Cuban sandwich filler. Dominican long filler and Dominican short filler. I don't have a problem with that. The Castle Hall comes in three sizes Robusto at 552, Toro at 654, and a Magnum 6x60. The prize fighter comes in a Robusto 552, Toro $5. uh, 654,
1: XO 6x60. $6. Why can't you call them the same thing? Yeah. Why can't you just call them both Magnum? Call them both XO. Let's keep life simple. Why do you have to do that? Right. Why, why are you making it difficult on yourself? But very interesting. The last new cigar I want to talk about. If you would like to order the Trump 2020 Victory Cigar 3-Pack, you can order them from Ted's Cigars. And $28 if for the 3 there was a website. Yeah. Ted's. Perfectly tailored to this cigar. Ted Cigars. <laughs> Ted Cigars. So it's in. So um, Jeff Borowitz had a post on his Facebook where he went to Daytona this week and he had one of these Trump 2020 cigars and gave it to one of the Secret Service guys and in exchange he actually gave him two boxes of Presidential M Ms that came off of Air Force One. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a that's a pretty sweet trade. And I'll um. It is a 6x52 torpedo with a Corojo wrapper, an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder, and a Dominican Republic filler. Does it say who made it? It does not. Yeah, I don't see it on here either. It does not say, is this a gag gift? Do you think there will be a lot of this? I'm I'm really considering changing my bet with Jay Drescher on um, Trump winning the election from $1 to making him smoke one of these in public.
0: That's pretty funny, actually. I don't think I, I could I ever do, get him
1: to agree with me on I, it. I don't know. I have a hard time with that
0: question because the, I do see the that this is rife for gag gifting.
1: This is this is. But perfect. I also know
0: too many people in this cigar shop and shops like it who would buy that and be so proud and happy about it. Oh, sure. So I'd, I'd like to think it's being bought as a gag gift, but I also... You know, it, what's what's funny about this, too, is it's not tied to him in any way. I'm sure it's not officially licensed or anything, so the, it's not even like the money is going to him. Right. But I'm sure there's... Someone's just sitting over here, like, just making a fat stack of cash off of this. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah $28 a cigar? Well, $28 for three, so $9. Oh, yeah, $9, $9 and should... some change for a cigar. $9.33, to be exact. But if you want to buy the box of 25 it's only $200 so you can get your price there down to under $10 a stick yeah and uh, a box of 10 is $88 so then you're down to $8.80 a stick so if you buy in bulk you could save a little bit and uh, I just wonder how many of these would get thrown at me if after he wins the election I brought a box in here and started passing them out (laughs) I I I don't know
0: but let me know when you're here doing that so
1: I want to see it actually no knowing this shop you would be welcomed like a hero well, I just think it's a. I, it'd be inter- it would be interesting. Okay, now here's my question. If it is just a gimmick cigar, then what is it going to taste like? What if it's good? What are you going to do? You know, what if it's a really good cigar? Because it's got a recipe that could be.
0: You know, and you do say this every once in a while. Like, what, if, what happens when it's a great cigar? What happens when it's a great cigar? The thing is, though, it never is. I mean, we always hold out hope that something like this or some gimmick cigar, you know, hey, it you never know
1: it could be great, but they never are. I, I hate to trash your point, but I I submit to you the Sopranos cigar. It was a gimmick cigar that was excellent.
0: Yeah, but so that was, good
1: they re-released it as the conciliary.
0: But but it wasn't a funky shape. It was it was just officially licensed, and it was made by a reputable company. We don't know who put this together. True.
1: And I, I guess that's I do, more to
0: my point, is a fly-by-night gimmick cigar.
1: I do have Sons of Anarchy cigars that Black Diamond or Black Crown made that I really like. Okay. They're good cigars. and all. They came in the handcrafted Hunter and box and all that that had the Reaper on the cover. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that a gimmick cigar can be good. That's true. But now, I guess I'm, I'm thinking more about this type of gimmick. This Could you lay your bias aside and smoke one? and give it an honest opinion. Yeah, I could. Okay. Next time next time I, I, we do a surprise I, I cigar am not, night.
0: <laughs> I am not as guilty of hating the man as much as you think I am.
1: Well, that's good. That, that, that's, a, that's a step in the right direction. It's not <laughs> a step in any direction. It's where I've always stood. So, from the Atlanta, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, <laughs> AJC. go to AJC.com to find this article, Roswell Advances Measures Regulating Cigar Lounges.
0: For those uninitiated, Roswell is a very small suburb just north of the city, um, kind of right outside the perimeter, as they say, near Alpharetta and Marietta. Of
1: Atlanta, Georgia. Of Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. And uh, they've approved the first reading of an amendment to its alcoholic beverage code to create a new category, cigar lounges, and regulate what they can sell. Um, Yada, yada, yada. The derive more than fifty one percent of gross sales from handmade cigars and seventy percent from handmade cigars and other cigar related products.
0: Such businesses could not sell vape products, cigarettes, unrolled tobacco, hookah products, or machine rolled tobacco products.
1: The unrolled tobacco part I don't like because that does that mean they can't sell pipe tobacco? That's I, but I also
0: wonder if old unrolled means for the purpose of rolling such a cigarette tobacco and not necessarily because it doesn't say loose tobacco it says specifically unrolled when you're talking with le- about legislation usually these words get very specific for a reason
1: so pipe tobacco would be would probably be fine be loose tobacco yeah. it wouldn't be unrolled what's tobacco. funny about
0: this to me and I'm sure it's changed since I was there but Roswell used to only have about three cigar shops I'm sure it's got a couple more now but this is this is one of those things that I think you know we talk a lot about the cigar industry and how Uh, Which is why I thought it was really funny that um, two cigar lounges are not going to be able to get a um, license if they're within 100 yards of another cigar lounge. Because I don't know of anywhere in Roswell where that's the case, but I could be wrong now. And if I am, that surely that is well, clearly designated to alienate one particular per, or two particular people.
1: Right. To to be within a hundred yards of each other, the only place I've ever been where cigar shops are that close is Ybor City. Yeah. And that's kind of their gimmick. Right. And all. So, um, so but that, most places that wouldn't matter. But when it comes to the southeast, Atlanta is the
0: mecca for cigars. When I was repping, it was about eighty-three cigar shops, and I'm not talking discount tobacco stores that also happen to sell cigars. It was, there was even an adult toy store that sold cigars. Um,
1: I, I, yeah. Boy, Solomon's look a lot different around here.
0: So, but this is this is talking, So, I, but I'm talking specific, actual, legitimate cigar lounges like we think of. I just heard a great, I just thought of a great joke I can't say on the podcast. Carry on. When... I was talking to a rep in here the other day. They said it's up close, up closer to a hundred at this point. So there are a lot of cigar. There's a lot of cigar interest in Atlanta. Yet, something like this still gets passed. Well, All they would have to do, and I know a couple of people who have tried to get a local lobby group together of cigar shop owners or you know or enthusiasts to kind of help you know, or an association of some kind. And those guys are all so competitive with one another. So here in Nashville, it's not uncommon to see the owner or general manager of another shop in a shop other than their own. They make the rounds, and everyone's kind of jovial. And, and, you know, there's a couple of people who are persona non grata. But for the most part, everyone kind of shares the love and checks in on each other. And it's really friendly competition. Sure. But in Atlanta, it's not like that. Those guys are so cutthroat. They're, they are so unwilling to work together that stuff like this is, what's, is, is the result of that. If they would just create an association and, and put a little bit of money behind it, they could prevent stuff like this from ruining the wonderful cigar culture of that city.
1: Well, and that's the thing. People don't—if you feel like you're in competition— Congratulate, especially when it comes to price. Congratulations, you're now in a race to the bottom. Right, and I'll don't go, don't lead your life trying to be in competition with somebody else. You know, my house plans. I tell people all the time, you can get somebody cheaper than me to draw your plan. By all means, go for it. You can, I, I, you can find them. And I, I said, but you will not get what I provide. You know, you will not get the, you will not get my experience. You will not get my knowledge, my know-how. These things are things you will not get for less than what I'm going to charge you to draw a house plan. Right. And I think cigar shops, if they had that, you know, okay, you know, here, there's another cigar shop less than a quarter mile from this shop. Yeah. But the environment of the two shops is so vastly different. Right. If you like one thing, you go there. If you like another, you come here. Yeah. They are in competition, but not really. Yeah. Okay. So let's cover one more article to get you mad before we get going. And all Christians are mad at Striper for smoking cigars in a photo. This off of loudwire.com. This is so funny. This is,
0: first of all, it's an article about a Christian metal band, which I know isn't an oxymoron, but for the layperson, I can see how you would think it is. Well, 15 years ago. Yeah.
1: Well, but, but
0: the evidence of this article is that not 15 years ago, still to this day.
1: Yeah, so singer Michael Sweet and bassist Perry Richardson enjoyed a couple of cigars and shared the photo on social media. And these people have been going nuts, The these Christians that seem to— this is the worst kind of Christian. These are the people that want to tell you what to do. Right. And want to use the Bible as their excuse to tell you what to do. Exactly. I just—I cannot stand when people do this. If you want to smoke a cigar, smoke a cigar. What you do is between you and your Savior, as long as you're not— hurting other people in the process. They're obviously standing outside, so it's not like they're, you know, in an orphanage blowing smoke into the nun's face. I don't understand... Right, they're on the Riverwalk in San Antonio. I actually recognize the location from the picture. So, how can... I don't understand. I don't... I guess I don't... You know, we talked about confidence and ego. I just don't have that kind of ego. Yeah. I, well, the, the whole,
0: you know, you're your rights end where mine begin kind of thing. And it's, you know, my... I feel like people like this do such a disservice to their own cause.
1: Yeah, you know, and if you read the comments, I'm not going to read any of them because they're stupid. But if you read the comments, these are not people that... It's not like I'm going to read one of these comments and say, oh, I should go to church this weekend. Yeah. No. These are driving people further away from what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Exactly, And the problem with people who have this type of mindset or is that like they do more harm than good and because they're so vocal it's what people outside of the group use as a litmus
1: test to judge the group as a whole right you know we have I've shared a cigar with an 88 year old atheist here he's the oldest atheist i've ever known shared a cigar with him the, the last saturday night and I'll sit here and chat it. He's a Korean War veteran. He's lived his life in a very moral fashion. I would, you know, I would trust him with a stack of gold. And all he is just that way. And he is an atheist. And, all, and it goes back to what we started the show with. Why why surround yourself only with people that tell you what you want to hear? Right. And all. But um, this is just, it's, it's hilarious to me because I feel sorry for the people that this offended. I feel sorry that their faith is in this state that they feel like that it has to... Embarge upon them to tell somebody else what to do with their life, and I'll okay. So give me a judgment on the cabinet. I'm really digging it.
0: I've got. I'm I'm about two thirds through it now. You're you're about to the nub. It has so much more flavor than I was expecting. It's got. I'm getting a little bit of spiciness now on the back end, which is unusual for an LFD of any age or vintage.
1: This thing is really good. It's a really good cigar I mean this is a good This is a solid six I would put this cigar At a solid six for me And I would like to have it In a little bigger size And I'll just for the Just the physical manipulation of it But I've just I've really just enjoyed Smoking this cigar And I think this is great I thank Alex for sending it to me He said this is the only LFD he likes and on, I can understand that. I, you know, as we're talking about understanding a palette, I can understand with his palette how this would fall under that category Yeah. of being there. So how do they get a hold of us, Trey? Uh, you can reach us via e- email at info
0: We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast. And I've actually just shared uh, that that article uh, about Striper. Um, so you'll be able to you'll hopefully have seen it before we got on. Um And then also
1: Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.